Trust the anchor. Maybe you turn to your neighbor and say, trust the anchor. We've been using this analogy of carabiners and uh, hiking and climbing. And one of the things that we've, we've talked about is that in order to go higher than you've ever gone before, you need an anchor to hold on to. Welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This is our weekly podcast from our Sunday service. Wow. Great job, Irene. What a cool testimony. Isn't that amazing? Well, welcome to Portland Christian Center, whether you're online and everybody in the house. It's so great to see all of you today. And if you are new with us last couple of weeks, I am just so excited to eat pizza with you after church. Anybody else love pizza? I'm going to pray for the rest of us. Pizza's good, man. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're so glad that you're here with us. Welcome again. Uh, we're in this series called Anchored. And one of the ways that we've been really challenging everyone to be anchored is through God's Word. And so we have the Life Journal reading plan out, as Pastor Rod mentioned. And we see people with journals. And I want to show you a quick picture. Uh, this is Brayden. Come on, let's give it up for Brayden. And I was talking to Jordy about it, and she was just saying he is just falling in love with the Word of God. He's read it, I believe, every single day, not missing it. She's not asking him to read the Bible. Isn't that incredible? And we, come on, let's give the Lord a praise. That's so cool. We're so proud of you, Brayden. And I just believe that um, the Word of God changes everything. His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so you may be here and you may be new and you're like, man, is it too late? No, it's not too late. We still have life journals available for you. We have life journals for your kids. And I believe we still even have life journals in Spanish, uh, if you uh, pr prefer that. Um, so anyways, yo hablo espanol, por favor. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop right there. Anyways. But we truly believe that God's word is powerful. And if we're going to change the world, we need God's word. We need his presence and we need him to be with us, working and doing what only he can do. If you look at your seats, you should have been grabbing one. Of, you should have seen one of these. There should be a card with all the great things happening at Portland Christian Center. I mean, we got Bible quiz. We got all the amazing things happening. Uh, the sisterhood's happening. Sisterhood, where are you at? Um, I believe that that event's coming. My L's been planning. It's going to be incredible. And I, I kind of got in trouble last week because um, one of the guys said, sure, you, you highlight the sisters, but what about the men? I'm like, sorry. You know, ladies, men, hey, it's all good. We're in the family. Let's go. But men's breakfast is coming up this Saturday. Steak and potatoes. You had me at steak, brother. Come on. Praise the Lord. Well, all I, wanted, all I want you to know is we have a lot happening at Portland Christian Center, and I hope that you join. And uh, I do got to give one last shout out because Mael's been planning. And Sisterhood, you've got it going on. I'm not going to lie. It is just amazing. There's a, I came in to my office, and Mael had a meeting there. And I looked, and there was a sign on my, on my counter that said, Hey, girl. And I was like, what? What kind of room am I in, man? But all that said to say is, aren't we excited that God is moving here at Portland Christian Center? He's moving. The baptisms, just 
absolutely phenomenal, and his presence, it's just, it's just so great. Well, I hope you have your Bibles with you. We're going to be in God's Word again. We're going to be in Ephesians, but I want to remind you before I get to Ephesians, that's going to be the text today, but we're going to talk about, we are anchored. That's our word for the year as a church and I'm praying for you and your life. And the scripture that God gave us, and we talked about this last week, was Hebrews 6, 19, to 19 through 20. It says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Man, we need that in this culture, don't we? We need our, the anchor for our soul. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We believe that Jesus is our anchor. And the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Trust the Anchor. Trust the Anchor. Maybe you need to turn to your neighbor and say, Trust the Anchor. Trust the anchor. It's also our big idea, trust the anchor. We've been using this analogy of carabiners and uh, hiking and climbing. And one of the things that we've, we've talked about is that in order to go higher than you've ever gone before, you need an anchor to hold on to. You need something firm and secure and strong in your life. And you know what's interesting? People kind of intuitively know that they need an anchor, but they don't always know what to anchor to. And I want to remind you that we have an anchor in Jesus Christ that is firm, secure, and you can trust him. You can trust the anchor. My father-in-law and I were talking on the phone. And, you know, to be honest with you, the very first time I met my father-in-law, I was kind of intimidated because Mael had told me all these stories about him. And one of them is he has summited Mount Rainier over 12 times. I know, right? And just to give you a, a perspective, Mount Rainier is in Washington. Mount Rainier is 14,411 feet. I don't even want to drive my car that far. But he summited Mount Rainier. And, and if you're kind of wondering, Mount, Mount Hood, which we see when it's a clear day and it's not raining most days of the year, right, is 11,249 feet. So he was telling me this story where they were climbing Rainier and what they do to be safe is, is they will take groups of three and they will tie themselves with ropes together as they climb the mountain. And there was two groups of three, so there's six of them, and they got to about 13,500 feet. And if you know anything about when you get that high, the air's thinner, you've been hiking, right? You're not really um, completely, uh, like your faculties can be hindered. Lots of different things are happening, right? Lack of oxygen, all that stuff. So they sit down in this group, and he's kind of tired, complacent, he's excited to see the view. And, and just so you know, I want to show you a picture, and he wanted me to make sure he sent me this picture. This is not him, but this is the place where he hiked. It's called Ingram Glacier. Isn't that beautiful? So it's all ice, it's snow, and they all sit down in a huddle. And they're, and they're kind of hanging out. And he wasn't really just paying attention. He's just sitting, resting. And he was kind of wondering if he was dizzy, not sure what was happening. And all of a sudden... Everyone started yelling at him, self-arrest, self-arrest, self-arrest. And he didn't know that he was actually sliding off the mountain. And he's tied with two other people. 
And what self-arrest means is grab your anchor and throw it into the ice and stop yourself. So he grabs his anchor, he throws it in, and he stops himself, and everyone starts laughing because it's one of those things where you're teetering on an emergency. Fortunately, he was able to stop it, but I think there's a lot of people maybe in the church here today or online or, or listening to this that you may be sliding and you don't even know what's happening. You might be struggling and you're just not aware. And the lie is, I may be making mistakes, I may be in sin, I may be struggling, and I'm the only one suffering. But what you don't realize is you're pulling people down with you. Your sin is never in a vacuum. Your brokenness is never all by yourself. We are all connected to each other. And the Bible says when one part of the body hurts, the other parts feel it too. And today I want to encourage you to really listen and ask the Holy Spirit, is there places in my life where I am sliding, where I'm missing it? Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's something else that's going on. And you're sliding and you have a problem. And maybe you're aware of it. Maybe you're not. But the question I, I really want you to wrestle with is this. Do I have an anchor in my life I can trust? Do I have an anchor in my life I can trust? Because one of the things that can happen in life is we're all going to face things. We're all going to face trials and tribulations. Jesus said, in this world, you will experience difficult times, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So if we know these things are happening, we have to understand that there's an anchor available to us. But I believe just because the anchor is available to you doesn't mean that you're tied to the anchor. What do you do when you experience sliding in your life? What do you do when there's brokenness in your life? Because I think many times there will be people that think they're anchored to Christ, but they're actually not. Or maybe they can talk a good game or they think they are or things are going pretty well. But what happens when a storm hits? Can you trust that anchor? I want to talk to you about an anchor you can trust when the storm hits. Trust the anchor. In Ephesians chapter 1, now I kind of made a joke last week that um, we would be in Ephesians for a while because it's going to take me a while to go through it because we're going to go through the book. And I didn't even finish chapter one last week. I apologize. So we're going to finish chapter one today. Are you ready? We're going to finish it. And if you go in your Bibles, go down to verse 15. That's where we left off. Verse 15. Now again, in case you missed last week, Paul is writing this book to the church in Ephesus. And this is a church that he helped plant and start. He loves this church. He's praying for this church. And in fact, Look at verse 15. This is what he says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. You know what that means? Paul genuinely loves this church. He loves these people. He cares about them. And one of the things people forget is that Paul is writing from Rome to Ephesus in prison. And I want to show you a painting. No, Bob Ross did not do that painting. <laughs> the late Bob Ross. That's a Rembrandt uh, 
picture that was painted of, of, of the Apostle Paul, what he thought it would look like. No, it's not a real picture. But what's interesting about this is oftentimes we forget the pain that these letters were written with. We forget the tribulation. Paul is writing things like, rejoice, I will say it again, rejoice from the prison cell. I think we have to remember that Jesus Christ is an anchor that you can trust no matter where your feet find yourself at. No matter where you are in life, you can have an anchor in the hospital to Burger King. God is with you. He's for you. So who can be against you? And Paul is encouraging this church something really powerful and profound that will help you, I believe, trust the anchor in Christ Jesus even more than when you walked in this, this morning. Here's what it says. Verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him more. First thing I want to point out, I keep asking. Wow. You can kind of skip over that for a second. But if you have to keep asking for something, it means the answer hasn't happened yet. He's saying, I keep asking God to give you wisdom and revelation. You know what that means? They don't have wisdom or revelation. My kids are really good at saying, dad, 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 dad. I just keep, they just keep asking. Anybody else kids have that anointing? Grandkids? Come on, grandparents, you got that anointing going on? Grandpa, 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 please. Grandma, 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 please. Grandma, 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 please. Yesterday I had Titus asking me to do something, Tate doing something, and Tate was filming me, and we could hear both of them saying, dad, 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 dad. But when someone's repeatedly asking for something for you, it means you don't have it yet. And I just wonder if there are people praying for some of us in this room that you've not apprehended what God has for you. They keep asking and asking and the Holy Spirit's knocking and knocking. It's like uh, this repeated cycle of brokenness. It's like a mountain. I just keep going around and around the same argument, the same fight, the same disagreement. I just can't quite get it. And what Paul is praying is something so, so critical and important because if you don't get these two things, you will, always you will always struggle to anchor to Jesus, to trust your anchor. And here's what they are, wisdom and revelation. Now, wisdom, we're going to define wisdom as rightly applied knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. You can know a lot about something, but not apply it correctly. There was a man who was a journalist in Chicago, and he came home one day to find out that his wife had become a Christian. He was a devout and renowned atheist at the, Tacoma, at the, I'm sorry, at the Chicago Tribune. Everyone knew that he did not like God. He hated God. So he went on a mission because of his degree to find all the facts to prove that God doesn't exist and that there's no way my wife could actually become a Christian. She's just completely outside of her brains. Guess what happened? He became a Christian. His name's Lee Strobel, and he wrote the book Case for Christ. He said after digging and digging and digging, he got all of this knowledge 
against Christ and then suddenly wisdom hit him right in the face and said, wait a second. I'm just here to see the evidence and the evidence is overwhelmingly true that Jesus is who he says he was and he's come to do what he said he would do in my life. And he accepted Jesus Christ in his heart. And next thing you know, the guy who was trying to destroy Christianity became an apologist for the faith. And so many people think, oh, I just need enough knowledge. You know what our culture has? A lot of knowledge. Everything I'm saying to you right now, you can grab your phones, go on Google and search constantly. Information, 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 information. We are information overloaded, but we have no wisdom. How do we apply what we're learning? And we see this all the time. People will yell out, just preach the word, brother. Well, I'll preach the word, but if you don't apply it, it means nothing. If we don't apply what God's saying, if we don't rightly apply what God's saying, then we end up drifting, going where we're not supposed to go. That's why we have wisdom, which is really powerful. And then Paul prays for something else that's called revelation. Revelation. Revelation is defined as an act of revealing or communicating divine truth. To reveal, to see things that already existed. I want to illustrate it to you this way. When Mael and I were uh, in Gig Harbor, we were uh, pastoring there. It was 2013. And we had, we had uh, lived in this, this like wooded area and there were really tall trees. And what ended up happening is they were clearing out this huge land behind us to put apartments in. And when they cleared it out, it created this like wind tunnel and these huge massive trees were swaying, looking like they were gonna fall on our house. Anybody ever have something like that around you? You're like, ah, oh, I don't want these, these trees to fall. We had 17 trees dropped around our house. And I had the privilege, because we didn't have enough money, to uh, pay for them to get rid of all the trees to help. And I got some friends. We cut them all up. And we were getting rid of all these trees because it took up the whole yard. Well, in the middle of the rain, in the middle of all this stuff, I dropped my wedding ring and lost it. And it was just a disaster for me. I looked and I looked and I looked. I even went on Facebook and I found a metal detector. And day after day, I was out there searching. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I, went, I was crying. I wanted to find my wedding ring so bad. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. So I, uh, I remember we were moving, and we were going to leave this place, and we were moving to the Tri-Cities. And it was the last day we were in this house, and I, I told my I'm going to go out there one more time, and we prayed. And we went out there, and I'm looking. No metal detector. Same ground I'd been the entire time. And I just happened to kick some dirt like this. And there was this ring sitting right there. Isn't that awesome? Now, it's meaningful, obviously, because this is still the original wedding ring. But it's amazing because that ring was sitting there the whole time. I just didn't see it. And I believe God has revelation, truth for you that's sitting in your Bible right now, waiting for you to see it so that you will rightly understand what God has for you. That's why we read the Bible every year over and over and over. I get concerned whenever I hear a Christian say something like this. Oh, I've read that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I've heard that story before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what God, I know what the pastor's going to say. 
And you know what I, I hear in that? Pride. You know what will blind a person faster than anything else is simply pride. Because you've deceived yourself. That's why Paul's praying that this church would have wisdom and revelation. And here's the mistake. Most people go for wisdom and revelation when they want something from God. I want direction. Should I eat pizza or ice cream? And the answer is yes, amen. <laughs> Where should I run? Where should I go? Should I take that job? Should I end this relationship? We all need, and here's the thing. Yes, you need wisdom and revelation for those things. But do you realize that's not what Paul was praying for? Go back to the verse. Look what it says. Verse 17, I keep asking so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him more. Did you hear that? You need wisdom and revelation to know God, to know him, to know him. I, I'm hoping you'll write that down. We need, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God. But the problem is, like so many people in this world, is we think we've got it all figured out. Especially, I've seen this in church life. And what ends up happening is you have it all figured out, right? Things seem to be going smooth. You accepted Jesus. There's baptism. All kinds of different things, right? And if you're like me, I have a box, and we'll just define it as of success. We'll put a little picture of it. What if I were to ask you to grab a box, what would you put in that? No, I didn't use, that's not my handwriting. Don't worry. <laughs> it's worse. Anyways, so if I were to ask you what success is in your life, what would you put in that box? Because some people have different things like financial security, 2.5 children, Three cars, a picket fence, a dog, no, no, a cat, no, no, definitely no cats. All these different things, what is in your box? And here's what I've found. The moment that things that you want in your box are either taken away or lost, you're lost. It's all based upon what you've determined as success. And I want to remind you today that the anchor you can trust has nothing to do or not even threatened by the box that you think your life has to look like. And you're like, man, prove that in scripture. Thank you for asking. In Genesis, there's a man named Joseph. God speaks to him. Wisdom and revelation gives him a dream. And you know what the dream was? that there would be stars that would bow down to him. There would be these stacks of hay that would bow down to him. And he makes the mistake of telling his brothers and father all about it. And they get so upset because they understand that he's saying, you're gonna worship me. This is the youngest boy in the whole family, by the way, at this time. So the brothers get so upset, so angry, they throw him in a well to die. The oldest brother's like, hey, that's not good. We shouldn't kill him. We should sell them into slavery. So they sell them into slavery over in Egypt. He gets put in charge of Potiphar's house. He's doing well. The house is doing well. And all of a sudden, the lady of the house looks at Joe and she's like, he is fine. 
he is one good looking Jew. And so she's like, I love this guy. And so he's like, okay. And she tries to have an affair with him. And what does Joseph do? You see, if I would put that box up there of success, let's put that up there real quick. Do you think slavery was ever a part of Joseph's picture of success? Do you think being transported out of everything you've known, out of your entire family, was ever in his box of success? Then, on top of it, a woman tries to have an affair with him, and he says no. He honors God, and guess what his prize is? Prison. And I think some of us need to hear this. Just because you're doing what God's asked you to do and there's opposition doesn't mean you've missed God's will. Just because you're obeying God doesn't mean everything's going to be super easy and smooth. But you know what it says? God says, I will help you overcome. I want you to hear this verse in Genesis 39.9. It says this. This is Joseph's reply to Potiphar's wife when she tries to have sex with him. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Do you realize right there Joseph is demonstrating wisdom and revelation? Here's the wisdom. I shouldn't have sex with this person. You're not my wife. That would be a sin against you, Potiphar, my master, and me. But here's the revelation. How could I sin against God? He understands that when we sin, it's against Yahweh, his father, the one that he worships. And I think so many of us make the mistake of recognizing that when you go through something in your life and there's brokenness and pain and sorrow and it doesn't look the way that I want it to look, you need wisdom and revelation, not just for the answer, but that you would know God more. Do you realize everything in your life is actually meant to bring you closer to him? That's why James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance, when it's finished, will make you mature and complete so that you lack nothing. That box of success, you know what it really needs to be in there? The anchor of Jesus Christ. That's your success. That in the highs and the lows, you have an anchor for your soul that says Jesus is more than enough. Because what we find as we continue to read and we know him more and more and more, verse 18, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Did you hear what that said? You can trust an anchor that can raise the dead. You can trust an anchor that can raise the dead. You can trust an anchor. But Pastor Nate, I'm not making enough money right now. You can trust an anchor that can raise the dead. 
but pastor, I'm in the hospital. I'm sick. I'm hurting. Yes, God's with you. You can trust an anchor that can raise the dead. Every area of your life, God, my kids aren't serving God right now. You can trust an anchor that can raise the dead. That power that can raise the dead, that power that can have people come up here and get baptized in front of an entire congregation of people online, that same power that moves people from death to life is available in Jesus Christ for you and for me. And my prayer for every single one of us is that we would learn wisdom and revelation so that we can anchor to him. Because here's the truth. The enemy is going to pull on you. He's going to pull on you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to try. And usually what it looks like is one little whisper here, one little confusion there. And next thing you know, you think, I don't know if I need to be anchored any longer. I can do it on my own. And I'm here to remind some of us today. The Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus in such a way where you would see, I need to get anchored again. I need to get anchored again. I've been doing things my own way. I've been running my own life. I've been going away. And here's the truth. It's not working out. It's not working out. It's sad. It's broken. And what I want to challenge this church, if you know somebody or you've seen somebody on television or wherever online, and they're not anchored and they're lost, love them. Pray for them. Ask God to turn their life around. Do what only he can do. The worst thing we can do is say, yep, that person's not anchored. I don't really care. See ya. Isn't that horrible? What did Jesus say? I'm going to leave the 99... Don't worry, camera, I'll come back. And I'm going to go get the one. I'm going to go get the one. Church, we are called to go get the one. But if you're not anchored, how can you go save somebody else? Trust the anchor. Trust the anchor. You see, Joseph, he reminds us that even when my box doesn't look the way I wanted it to look, I have an anchor I can trust. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, he lives in me. And I want to read to you the last part of this verse. Verse 21, for above all rule and authority, power and dominion, dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who, fill, who fills everything in every way. I want to remind you that you have an anchor in Jesus. Did you hear that last part? I want to read it one last time. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Did you just hear that? The Spirit of God will fill everything in every way. Your house, when you go home today and you watch the Seahawks win and the Lions win, <laughs> as fun as that's going to be, the presence of God is there. There should be something different in your house. An anchor. An anchor. An anchor. 
an anchor that you can trust. When you go home today, I want to encourage you, be filled with the presence of power of God. Transform your house by allowing the anchor to have authority so that when things arise, when the box of your life doesn't look like the way you want it to look, you can say, nope, 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 not taking that. I am going to be anchored to Jesus. I'm not going anywhere because he has places for me to go. He has places and people for me to see him, to see people get saved. Amen? My heart was broken this week. I was, I was reading a, a story about somebody, and you probably heard of this person. It's online. You can look it up. And her name's Demi Lovato. What most people don't know is she was a worship leader, grew up in the church at one point in her life, said she had a relationship with God. In 2020, she said that she was no longer uh, a male or female. She said she's non-binary. Then in 2021, she says, no, 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 you can call me a female again. And when I, when I saw that, and I don't know what she's doing today, but I do know she's lost her anchor. And you know what, church, that should break our hearts. There's no place in our lives where we're just thinking, oh, yes, yeah, see, I was right with my political viewpoint. No. Church. There's a world that's anchorless. Could you imagine? Of course you're grasping at anything that you can. Of course. Have you ever seen someone fall? They're grabbing everything. They're pulling any idea, any thought, anything at all. And what the church needs to realize, they don't have an anchor. So we don't curse the darkness. We pray for the darkness by shining the light of Christ. Because you never know what God can do. You see, I want to finish Josh, uh, Joseph's story because he goes to prison. He interprets some more dreams. Ends up in Pharaoh's court. Tells him the dreams say in seven years there's going to be a huge famine. So you need to start storing up food. They do. He saves them. He saves his family. And his brothers who sold him into slavery show up at the court of Pharaoh bowing and they have no idea that that's their brother standing right in front of them. And I want to read this to you because some of you here need to be reminded that the same God who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And if your story does not look the way you wanted it to look, God's got a better story coming. Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Isn't that amazing? Why are we anchored? Because there's about four or five other people that need you to be anchored so that they can follow Jesus too. I did the work in your life for saving many other people. I want to ask you a question. Do you trust the anchor? Do you trust the anchor? How different would your world be if you trusted the anchor. How different would your world be if you trusted the anchor? Would you bow your heads just for a moment? I believe the Holy Spirit's working. There are people here this morning and online and you just be honest, Pastor Nate, I, I, I need that anchor. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, at one time I did, but if I was honest, I am not anchored to Christ. 
I got good news for you. Today's your day. Or maybe you're here and you've never been anchored to Christ, but you want to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up and I'd love to pray with you. If you're here today and you want to anchor your life to Christ, if you want to make him your Lord and Savior, thank you, I see that hand. You want Jesus to be your anchor. Thank you, lots of hands going up, lots of hands. Thank you, I see that hand, lots of hands, lots of hands. Thank you, Jesus. I believe there's, thank you, I see that hand. I see that hand up in the balcony. That's awesome, balcony hand, that's awesome. Yeah, I see that hand, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, I see your hands. So Father, right now, I pray for every hand that was lifted high. I ask Holy Spirit that we would be anchored to you, the anchor that we can trust. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. I pray that you would reveal Jesus. May we have wisdom and revelation to know you better because you are an anchor we can trust. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. I thank you for it. May we be anchored to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could have everybody stand just for a moment. This is a holy moment. If you could stand with me. If I could, I'd like to invite the prayer partners to go ahead and come on up. And we're going to worship Jesus. And if you would like prayer this morning, we would love to pray with you. Because the truth is, we serve a God that has the power to heal. The power to transform. He's an anchor you can trust. Amen. Would you worship Jesus? And if you have anything in your life that you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. We love you. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com. See you today.